Okay, so we want to continue in uh, Sefer Karm. We were in book two, chapter two, and we had, um, and he discusses certain difficulties in understanding uh, the actions of, of Hashem, right? After describing, after discussing that, uh, that our, our knowledge of God is through his actions, he raises the uh, difficulties of of um, how we can really understand just even the most fundamental idea. Like, for instance, that we say that God, God's actions are, are a function of will. Okay. So, in other words, once we discuss, once we say we have to, we have to study, uh, get our idea of, um, of the, of the, uh, of Akash Baruch through the Chachma, and the uh, chesed and the things that are revealed in his creation, right? We have to also simultaneously recognize the limitation, the important limitation on how we think about God's, even in terms of his actions. Okay. And I think that's what he's trying to demonstrate over here. And the problem that he raises is, and I don't want to rehash it. You can listen to uh, what we did last week, but um, basically he says that there are two kinds of actors, okay? Put it, putting it very briefly, there's, a, there's something we call like a natural um, actor, a natural force. And that is something that simply acts based on its, its nature, its properties, like a fire heats, right? Uh, the ice cools. There's nothing, there's no will, there's no, um, there's no uh, thought. It's just decision making. It simply is that the the entity, this the object, has by 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 definition certain properties, and those properties affect other things. But uh, that's one kind of an actor that we find in, and we call that a natural a natural actor. Okay, like the sun heats us up, and all those things. And obviously, he says we can't say that that Hashem is that kind of an actor, because for two reasons is first of all, then that would mean that all of his actions are necessary, okay, and um, and that would essentially be like a uh, and that creation is not an act of his will, but that's that contradicts our Masara. We know that Brashas Barlokimas Mayves Arts, there was an act of creation that was preceded by a non-act of creation, and therefore it can't simply be a um, physical, so to speak, a uh, the creation of the world. We can't say that God is acting, so to speak, in the sense of the um, an innate property like like a, like a heat and a fire. Okay, um, but on the other hand, he says, and, and furthermore, he says that would be considered deficient if God, if we were to say that God only can act is is a necessary actor. That's that is a deficiency. Okay, that's something I'd like to come back to maybe next time is exactly what that what that argument is. But the argument is basically we can attribute to God a deficiency that we can something that we would consider to be a deficiency in ourselves. And to say that a person or something can't help but to act is a weakness. Right. It means to say you have no control. So for those two reasons, he says that we, we certainly can't say that God is an actor. Or, or even a, a creator in the sense that it just is an automatic uh, 
what's that? Like a role he's playing. Yeah. What's that? No thought. Just an, a, a natural consequence of his existence. Which, like someone said, is the yeah. Aeslis, basically like an Aristotelian view of creation. That there was no act of creation. And the whole universe simply is an emanation uh, that's necessary because of God's existence. Okay. So that type of an actor, that type of a... Uh, a um, a poel, uh, what he calls poel beteva, we can't ascribe to God. He says, on the other hand, the other type of an actor that we know of is an actor that that acts based on will, right? Rotson. But Rotson implies a whole other host of problems, right? And it means to say it implies some change in God, like from a state of will to a state of non-will, and a, and a state of, that preceded the, the state of need and a state of satisfaction and, and all of the problems that lead Aristotle basically to his idea of God, right? right? And, um, and basically, he said, and, and you can, okay, you can go through the arguments if you want to. So, uh, and then he says, and you can't wiggle out of it by saying he has like a, a um, what do you call it, a rotson kodom. Like, like reminds you of like the like Ron discusses like uh, necessary uh, attributes, you know. <laughs> like, try to find some contradiction in terms. Like, it's a rut zone, but it's not changing because it's constantly. It was like it's like old. It's like implanted. It's like necessary. So that's just another way of saying, uh, you know, natural. Just with uh, with with a lot of uh, built-in uh, permutations. But um, so therefore, basically, he says. It, this becomes a very big problem. We think of God, we know that God is uh, an actor, has to act, so we're studying his creation, so we're saying these are actions of him. And yet, um, and an action has to come from an actor, and we basically have two ideas of an actor, one without Rutzon and one with Rutzon, and neither one of them is appropriate to say about God. Okay, so basically... Um, he, he basically answers in, in a certain way that uh, in, in very much in the same line as, as the Rambam. And the Rambam d- deals with this similar kind of a question. There are a few questions that are like this. And uh, the Rambam doesn't deal with it in terms of Ratzon. The Rambam deals with it in terms of, um, in terms of uh, God's knowledge. Okay. And um, you have similar problems. Knowledge implies change. He knows something he didn't know before, right? Even if you'll say he, he knew it before, but now it's actually, whatever. There's a whole series of, of philosophical questions you can raise about God's knowledge, God's knowledge in our Bechira. And, and those, are the, those are the questions he brings up in, 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 in Hephaz Tshuva. But in short, in short, the answer that's given, I'll just read you from the Rambam here to all of these questions is more or less the same. I'm just going to take it from here, because in the Rambam in, uh, in book three, chapter 20, he, he, you know, he sums it up nicely. He's like this. It's 293 in the Friedlander, one volume. He says, my opinion is this. The cause of the error of all these schools is their belief that God's knowledge is like ours. We could substitute will if you want to for for, for, uh, for uh, God. Each school points to, points to something 
withheld from our knowledge and either assumes that the same must be in the case, that the same must be the case in God's knowledge, or at least finds some difficulty how to explain it. So basically saying the whole, all of these problems arise from people basically looking at themselves, thinking about what, what knowledge or what will means to man, and then applying it to God and, and, and saying that this is some contradiction. Doesn't that go against the whole idea of anything that is seen as a deficiency in us? Says, knows this. He says, we must blame the philosophers in this respect more than any other persons because they demonstrated that there is no plurality in God and that he has no attribute that is not identical with his essence. So he says the philosophers accept the idea that God's existence is completely different from ours, right? No plurality and, um, and, uh, and no, attrib- no attributes, right? His knowledge and his essence are one and the same thing. They likewise demonstrate, because there's no plurality, they likewise demonstrated, as we have shown, that our intellect and our knowledge are insufficient to comprehend the true idea of his essence. So the philosophers say, look, God exists, but his existence is completely unknowable to us, right? We simply don't have the ability to understand God's true, the true essence of God's existence. And God's knowledge is identical with his existence because there's no plurality in God, right? So, so therefore he says, how then can they imagine that they comprehend his knowledge, which is identical with his essence? Seeing that our incapacity to comprehend his essence prevents us from understanding the way how he knows objects. For his knowledge is not the same kind of as ours, but totally different from it and admitting of no analogy. And as there is an essence of independent existence, which is, as the philosophers call it, the cause of the existence of all things, or as we say, the creator of everything, right? Slight difference there. That exists beside him. We also assume that this essence knows everything, that nothing whatever of all that exists is hidden from it, and that the knowledge attributed to this essence has nothing in common with our knowledge. Just as that essence is in no way like our essence. I'm going to come back and we'll, we'll talk about this all. The homonymity of the term knowledge misled people. They forgot that only the words are the same, but the things designated by them are different. And therefore they came to the absurd conclusion that that which is required for our knowledge is also required for for God's knowledge. Okay, so basically he's saying, look, the the final answer is, and like he says in the Sefer, in in the the Hilchus Tshuva, that it's impossible for us to know the different to know God's uh, essence and since his knowledge and we could add to uh, Albo his will happens to be the Ram has a slightly different answer about God's will but Albo's uh, takes the Ram's answer over here and his will uh, there there's no there's no plurality so all of them are, are are identical with his his existence and his essence and just like that is unknowable uh, this is unknowable so he says, so it's a mistake. It's a philosophical mistake. And he blames the philosophers for forgetting this Yisod. And somehow speaking about God's knowledge or God's will with a certain um, sense, uh, w- with a certain um, uh, carryover from ours and applying our form of knowledge to God and then raising impossibilities. Okay, but basically... And we're just getting started here, okay? So 
basically, this is just my intro, okay? Basically, he's saying, you can't know. Right? So the question is, how is it possible? Here are the two choices. Will, uh, you know, the inanimate will or the active will, neither one applies. You simply can't know. That's your answer. And why can't you know? Because you can't know God's essence. Okay? No. You can't know. No, you can't know. You can't know the answer to that question. What which kind of a will does he have? What is his will? Okay. Well, we can just just like we can't understand how he knows. You want to know how does God know? If I have free will, how could he know? You can't know how God knows. Why? Because how God knows is part of his essence. Can you know his essence? No. So why do you think you know how he knows? Sorry. So I, I, want, I, want to, I, I want to explore. I want to explore. I want to explore this this type of answer before we go into the details. I, I want to explore the validity of this kind of an answer, because um, the um, you know the rivet I mentioned to you in, in Ilchos Chuva. So the rivet criticizes the Rambam for giving this kind of an answer. He says. He says, uh, the Rambam raises the problem no, no. in right? And basically he says, maybe you'll say if God knows everything that is before it happens, so he knows that this guy's a tzaddik or a rasha. Or he doesn't know. If he knows, then how could he not be a tzaddik? And if he, and if it'll be, and if you tell me he's, he, it's possible for him to be a rasha, then he doesn't really know. Okay? So he says, de'e, they give you they give you two dots here. De'e shetshuva she'ela zu arucha me'aretz mida me'aretz mida urchava moneyam. The answer to this question is, is is longer than the than the length of the than the measure of the earth and wider than the than the sea. The kama ikarim gedolim v'hararim ramim tluyim ba. There are many great mountains uh, that are hanging from it. But, but that's too much for you right now. So just understand this. Okay, we already explained in Yesodia Torah that Akash Baruch doesn't know with a knowledge that's outside of him, like man does, right? Who, and man has knowledge separate from his, own, from him, from his existence. He says, but by God, who Yisparach Shemo V'dayto Echad, and Ein Daito, and no one can understand this, no man can understand this uh, clearly. And just like a person can't understand God's true essence, true, true existence, the Nimzo Amita Sabari can't understand his truth. Like it says, so too you can't understand uh, this is the Ram's oft quoted, uh, you know, Ram quotes this very often. Right? Uh, like a time. So we simply can't know. Although, but know this, he says, without a doubt, that the Maisa Ha'odam is Biyad Ha'odam. God doesn't. Pull him or decree upon him to do anything or to not do anything. And he says, This is not just dogma. Um, he says, Elaborayos, Baruros, Medivre Hachachma, Ubneza Nemer, Benevuov, Shedonis, Adamakol, Maisov, 
right? So if there's no Bukhir, you can't judge a person based on his actions. So the Ravid says, the Ravid says, The Ram didn't, didn't act like a Chacham on this one. Well, you don't start something that you don't know how to end, right? He started with philosophical inquiries, right? And he left it with you with the with the Munapshuta basically. So he starts off with big philosophical problems and he says, Amuna. Okay. He says, He should have just left it with the with this with the uh, you know the people in their Tamimus and not to stir up someone's heart with a doubt and uh, and not give him basically a good answer. So the question, so my question is like this. Okay, that, that's why that's why I said last week we should discuss it anyway. But um, but here's my question. Here's my question. Question is like this. This kind of an answer that the round gives, right? The Ravid is basically criticizing this kind of an answer. And my question is like this. Let's just let's try to think about it on our own. Is this an answer or is this a cop out? In other words. When the Raman raises these problems and he says, you can't know. Is is you can't know an answer or is you can't know a cop out? Oh, one second, one second, one second. Now, and if you're gonna tell me it's huh? if you can tell me it's it's not a cop out, I have a follow-up question. Is it is it the satisfying answer? <laughs> okay. And if it's not, and 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 if it's and if it is a valid answer, what's the limit of this answer? I mean, then you can basically apply this answer to any question. Right, and you can say um, on any question. Like exactly, uh, it, it, it's like uh, someone said. He has a he has a hand. Uh, someone once told one of uh, the Tamidim, "It's it's he has a hand, but not like our hand. You can't understand exactly what that means." Well, whatever it is, Yad Mamish. Right, you can go into these kinds of things, and I'll go even further. I'll go even further. The Ramban, the Ramban says in the Vikuach that you can't that no one can believe in the Trinity. He says. It's because the Trinity is not an idea. It's a, it's a logical impossibility. So belief means you have an idea and then you apply a certain attitude towards the idea. But if you can't have the idea in your head, you can't have a belief. But uh, maybe I could say, why can't I say, uh, like I saw, yeah, look, uh, how is it possible? It's, uh, we can't understand. We Same simply can't. Yeah, well, what what is, we can't understand. Look. Here's a contradiction. Rutzon, impossible. We can't understand. So what's the, when can you say, and I'll give you, give you another question. We've said this a hundred times, right? In, in, in Yeshiva, I'm sure you've heard this before. Saji Gons, right? Says the old question, can God do something that's impossible, right? So Saji Gons always says, no, because the impossible is not a thing. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe he can do the impossible. We just can't understand how. Right. Right. You know, when when do you conveniently say you can't understand, but it's not beyond God? And when do we say it's illogical and impossible, therefore it can't be? In other words, in other words, can God make a square circle? Let's take that question. Can God make a square circle? So you'll say you can't understand it, but you don't understand how God does things because you're not God, and to understand how God does. So maybe you say God can make a square circle and you can't understand how. Because you can't understand, because you can't understand, God won't have will. We're going to go by what you can understand. So if you're going to say you can't understand how God has will, but yet we say 
he has some idea of will, or you can understand his chachma and his knowledge, but we don't, like Yosef says, we don't say he doesn't have knowledge. So you can't understand how a square circle exists, but uh, maybe, it's, uh, maybe it's possible. That, that, that's what I'm driving at. Yeah, so, okay. so at that point, then the whole notion of the ideas of anything, the ideas of Shem or wherever, goes out the window. So what? Then you can justify anything. You say, well, I need this result. So, but, but, but you've yeah. got to show me consistency. What you've got to show me is consistency. You've got to show me why it is that I can yeah. do one thing and not the other. Not because I need to here, I don't need to there. That's not a good enough reason. Okay. Repesa, question. Yeah. Didn't, didn't you sort of raise this point a couple of weeks ago about knowing we can't understand something is different than not having any understanding of the thing. Okay. Yeah, there's nothing new what I'm saying. I'm just, I'm just, no, I mean, Dafko, that was like, I feel like, because somebody from this year asked me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Yeah. 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 Okay. Thank you. Okay, so anyway, uh, yeah. So, so the point I'm trying to make is like this. That you have to recognize that logic and rationality, um, right, and reasoning, is a tool for the discovery of truth and uh, reality and existence. Okay, but as a tool, it means to say that if something is proven logically and rationally, then I can say it exists. And if it's and if I can disprove it ration, with logical with logic and rationality or it's an impossibility with logic and rationality, I can say it doesn't exist, okay? But it's false to say that if I fail to prove something, then it can't exist, okay? Because that's what I mean by it being a tool, okay? It doesn't, it doesn't, uh, it is an access to something, but it doesn't mean that whatever we can't access doesn't exist. So if we can't. Right. So that's what I said. Like you say, if P, then Q. If it's logical, it exists. But you don't say if it's not P, then not Q. Right. You don't say, but if it's not logical, it can't exist. That's not true. It could be beyond logic. It could be out of the realm of logic. What? What is something that doesn't exist, though? Oh, so we'll go through some of these examples. But I say, just like I'll say that my eye, the eye is a tool for, uh, is a tool for the, uh, to sense the uh, physical existences. But, but nobody would say that if I can't see something, it can't exist, right? It's just a tool. It's, it's, a, it's a means to interact with, with a class of objects, but it's foolish. It's foolish. And it's kind of surprising that for so long, People felt that there was uh, that there were no existences beyond what the what the you know this, the eye could see. They were very surprised when they got the microscope. I guess we would be surprised too. And they were astounded that there are these little existences in there. Okay, maybe uh, maybe Chizki uh, disagree. Fine. Okay. <laughs> I mean, but the Chazal say that Chazal say if we could see all the mazikim, we would go crazy. So Chazal were aware of those kinds of things. But anyway. As uh, a tangent. So uh, the point being, though, that as a tool, it's limited. Okay, not synonymous with the thing itself. Right, you understand? Okay. Um, and, and I was just about to say, okay, Oren's got his hand up. Yep. Oh, okay, well, we'll get that back to Oren's question. Oren's question is, so then, uh, what's the limit of these possible existences that are not proven? All right. Okay, yeah. 
we still have to be rational in applying uh, our conclusions. But um, what's that? Yes. Okay. We'll come back to you. We'll come back to the question. So, uh, yeah. Just to clarify, just I think a little sharpen is it's it's not a tool that's defining the limits. It's exactly. a tool that that right. That's the kind of the hop is people can. That's the mistake they make is that it, as if it defines the limits, even though its purpose is to explore what it is able to identify, that's right. not define the limits of it. You apply to a class of objects, and there's no reason to assume that the class is limited to the things that the tool can uh, can can uncover, can measure. Correct. So that's that's that that's un, that's. That's an unreasonable assumption. It's not a logical assumption. And anyway, I'll prove it to you. If you're suspicious of this, I'll prove it to you. Okay? Because logic itself, the validity of logic itself cannot be proven logically. Right? The validity of logic itself cannot be proven logically. And that's what we discussed last year. That's what Saji, that's what the Albo says. Is he calls, he calls the you can't go turtles all the way down in, 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 in arguments, right? And you have to start off with certain premises that uh, are just innate to the soul, innate to, to the power of reasoning. Now we can think about how, why we trust them so much, you know, but, uh, but bottom line is that it's what, it's what Alba calls the betuchos achachma, the securities of wisdom that are innate in the soul. And you cannot foundations, and you simply can't break down the breakdowns and prove the proof and prove and prove and prove. Okay, so therefore, ultimately, even the most rational person is going to have to start out with an assumption that cannot be proven. Okay, <laughs> so so therefore, even though we say rash, the rational faculty is a real is a reality is a real tool is a true tool that itself can't be proven logically, then you get into, you get into some, into a logical circle. It's impossible. Okay. So the point being, again, that, um, that, um, that it's a mistake that the source, that, that it's a mistake to say that since what is logically proven exists, what I can't prove logically can't exist. Well, that's, that's a fallacy. But, but what I can logically prove can exist not does not exist. That, that I have to say is Okay, so let's talk about that. So let, let's talk about some of the examples. Yeah. Then it can't exist. If I can't prove it, can, if I can't prove okay. it, right? Okay. So, so, so let's take the square circle as an example. Okay. Let's take the square circle. So if I take the square circle, what I'm saying is square. Now, by saying the word square, I'm using a certain um, definition, right? I'm using a certain definition. And if I apply, and if I then say circle, from the same framework of geometry, I'm applying contradictory definitions, okay? And the, the, uh, the definition of a square and the definition of a circle mutually exclude themselves, right? You can keep making a, a bigger and bigger polygon, uh, uh, even a... Uh, a regular polygon, bigger and bigger and bigger, right? You can keep doubling the number of sides, but you'll never make it a circle, right? So even if I'd extend the definition of a, of a square circle to a square to a polygon circle, it's not going to help you, 
because uh, the, it's not a degree. It's not the difference between a, a polygon and a circle is not one of degree. It's one of quality. Okay, kind. So therefore, that is simply a non uh, a, a non-existent. I'm describing something in a contradictory form from the system that I'm describing. It has no. It has no uh, no existence. Okay, so as long as I'm sticking within the framework of, 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 of polygons, of geometry, there's no description of a square circle because one description excludes the other and I, will, and I wind up with nothing, correct? One description excludes the other and I don't wind up with nothing, okay? It's like A and I, right? I mean, right, correct. It would be like saying, it would be like saying, it would be like saying, can I simultaneously be in motion and at rest? Right. I'm simultaneously in motion and arrest. Well, it depends what observing. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> okay. 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 So it's good. It's, it's a joke. It's a joke. We, we don't take it. Now, 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 this leads to an important point, and that is that when we say that logic is limited, what we mean by that is not just um, not just that there are things that our minds can't grasp, okay, that maybe are logical, but just too complicated for our minds to grasp, but it means also that we are missing, or we could be missing, entire frameworks of reality from which to even analyze something, right? Like geometry is a framework that we can use to analyze something, but man i couldn't i didn't i didn't bother i, I meant to find the quote i think there's a quote out there somewhere that uh, this talks about you know um, the fact that a lot of science now is is based on uh, let's say a four-dimensional way of looking at the universe right you take you add time into as a, as a dimension and the human mind simply doesn't have that way of thinking the mind doesn't have that way of thinking try to imagine a four-dimensional object you, you just you, you can't I, I can describe to you a process logically but you'll never you'll never be able to do it right you take a take a take a cube and a cube and you attach them but whatever it is just like if you go from a point to a point you get a one-dimensional line to a line you get a two-dimensional right plane to plane you get a three-dimensional cube to cube you should get a four-dimensional great thanks but you can't you, the human mind doesn't doesn't have the ability to to, to comprehend such a thing but anyway so, okay, you could argue mathematics does, but the point is there are certain elements that, we, that are simply beyond our framework of even, uh, we don't even have like the basis to, uh, to, to comprehend and therefore it's an impossibility for us to, uh, to gain access to a reality whose framework we don't even have the capacity to, uh, we, we don't even have a, a, the category of its existence in our minds. So obviously our tool is going to fall sh far short. And even within the framework that we have, I think I read to you last time the quote from Einstein says, when he studies science, he realizes he's approaching the, you know, the infinite with the crude tools. I think he uses that term, right? So a humble, a chacham, that's the irony a lot of times that, you know, the foolish person thinks that his uh, things are unlimited, and I, you know, but the chacham recognizes how, how cruel, how crude, cruel, okay, how crude the tool is. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think that's the key over here to what I'm trying to say. Yeah, you know, 
So therefore we can, we can take, so let, let's analyze the Trinity for a minute, okay? So if I take the idea of the Trinity, yes, yes. Uh-huh. so if I take the idea of the Trinity, um, I can say like this, to say that there exists a Trinity, okay, is to take an idea of, and, and describe it in our framework of number, right, and say in real, and say in a contradictory way of number, it exists. But, but the problem is, and the Ramban is 100% right on that, we can't have in our mind a contradictory idea, okay? And the problem is they're positing that the reality of number one and the reality of three are going to combine into something, into whatever it is. That's just, that's a square circle, okay? And we cannot maintain that idea. It's, it's, it is a contradiction in terms, and therefore we can't obviously hold that and apply it as a reality to God. It's just, it's just an impossibility. So what are we doing that's different? What are we doing different? So we're saying is like this. What we're saying is that, like the Ram describes over there, that we recognize, and this is the important point, we recognize that in reality, we don't even have the proper framework from which to, 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 to talk about God's knowledge. And that's, that's where the homonym comes in, right? When he says it's homonymously, it means to say, when they say three and one, they're not using it homonymously. They're saying there's three and there's one and it's the same, right? That means to say the three that we know, the one that we know. But the Ram is saying that when we are talking about God's knowledge, unfortunately, we have no choice but to use the word knowledge to describe the source of all Fachn, okay? Because we have no word that relates to possessing wisdom other than knowledge. But in reality, he's saying, we don't actually have the capacity, we don't have the framework, we don't have the categories in our, in our mind to truly uh, in, in cor- or to, uh, to have a framework within which we can study this uh, this phenomenon because it's it, it's beyond our 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 framework so therefore all we can say is like this there is that existence the supreme existence okay and it is not lacking in any way from the ideas of wisdom and knowledge that we have it's not lacking in any way but we cannot turn around and this is the key point and apply our framework of knowledge to him. Once we do that, we fall into contradiction. Yeah? Yeah, there are more things. So so that's what the Ram is explaining, that the key, the key to unraveling this is the homonym. And, And the homonym shows you that the term that we use is inappropriate because we don't really have even the framework within which to understand something. And, and like my father mentioned many times, to understand something, you have to have a greater framework. Okay, we could talk about that a little more, but yeah, that, you have to exist, that has to be studied within a, a greater framework. So, so therefore, the, the answer is like this. We're not, we're, we're not positing a logical impossibility. 
right? We're not saying, look, will is this or that, and neither one is possible. So we're going to just say God's is a contradiction that we can't we can't understand. No, we're not saying that. We're saying since I'll sh- we're, we're saying the opposite. We're saying I'm going to demonstrate to you that we don't even have the capacity. We don't have the basic categories of the reality of God, because when we try to apply our categories to Him, it it, it results in an impossibility. And when we try to analyze God from our framework and project <coughs> what we have onto him, will and knowledge and those things, those turn out to be crude, crude categories that do not, that do not uh, actually reflect the reality of his existence. And it's demonstrable because it results in contradictions. Therefore, we have to simply say, we have no access to the reality behind these actions, and we cannot posit anything about it. And the point is like this. It's not a cop-out because what we're saying is, given the, re- the, the nature of, of God's existence, or what we know about God's existence, this has to be true. You understand? And that's why the Rambam even though he's going he's gonna to wind up saying what the, what the Ravid says is Amuna, he gives that whole long introduction. Why does he give that whole long introduction? This is something that is, that is Aruchami, Midas, Oretz, and Maneyam, and all these things, and basically just know this. You can't know, right? Why does he give all that? Because, he, because the, 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 to say that you can't know is not a cop-out if you can show, based on what you do know, the impossibility of anything more. And therefore, he's saying, look, I can't really go through it all, but if you really understood what, we, what the philosophers, what Torah teaches about our knowledge of God's existence and his essence, you will see that there is, that there is an impossibility in trying to qualify or in trying to quantify the, the 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 methodology of God's actions vis-a-vis our framework, because any time you're going to try to apply the framework, it's going to contradict. And therefore, our whole you have to recognize in reality, and this is very very much dovetails with the uh, negative knowledge philosophy. Right, you have to recognize that uh, our categories are 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 inappropriate and inapplicable. And they don't reflect any comparison to the reality of God. And we have no choice but to use words like Adam, but with the objective of weaning you off of them and recognizing that they're just pointing you in the direction of an unlimited reality and who, who's a source of knowledge, of, of, of action. And we have to just use those terms to point you in that direction. But really ultimately strip away any of the connotations that they have in our, in our framework. And that's why he says the homonym is the big, is, is, the, is, the, is, the, is the key idea. And as long as you think that you're going to apply the term knowledge as we know it, meaning say our framework or existence or will, you're going to result in a contradiction. And since we know that his existence is beyond that, uh, it's it's a mistake. It simply is a mistake to do it. And he's very critical of the philosophers for making that mistake. Even that phrase, his existence, you know, is already put yep. Right, yeah, right. So in terms of getting back to Oren's question, 
I would say like this, that you're only justified, there's, there's what we call the law of parsimony, right? And you're only justified, and this, this is bringing back what you started with, right? That our knowledge of God's existence demands our recognition of a reality that is be way, way beyond our tools. You understand? And it's not a cop-out because no one ever said that nothing can exist that is beyond that that nothing exists simply because it's beyond the this the grasp of rationality and logic. Right? So we're not just pulling a fast one on you in the end. It's it's necessary. But if a person were to say God has a it has a physical, has a hand in a different way than we have a hand, and, and it's impossible to understand, there would be no basis for such an argument. I mean, we're only, 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 there's no meaning to it. There's no, there's no insight in it. You're just positing, there's no gain, and therefore it's, it's inappropriate. This idea is necessary, and I'm just introducing it by saying that because you can't understand, because it's not subject to rationality, doesn't mean it doesn't exist, just to show you that when you arrive at it, that's not a reason to reject it. But I'm not saying, therefore, anything that, (laughs) you can't say the opposite, right? You can't say anything that you can't prove logically has to exist. (laughs) That was was certainly (laughs) accurate, right? So in terms of in terms of gaining and greater knowledge, the Ram discusses like the process means say that our limitations are always because we are approaching God with our preconceived notions from this world, and as you strip away those notions, you're getting closer to a reality, right? Like if you start off with a simple idea of number and you say God is one, you don't really understand. You don't have a good. You don't have you don't have as much knowledge as when you recognize what a true unity means. You know what I mean? So that's his example with the negative. That he says, you, you are refining because, and that's why we say the malach, for instance, has greater knowledge because he's not limited even by physicality. Like we can't really, it's very hard for us to imagine and appreciate a non-physical. But, uh, but, but therefore, they said there's a certain limitation in the in our ability to understand because of our physicality. Just the, and I don't mean because we're locked here. I mean, say, that's our perspective. That perspective is, is to a certain degree, is impossible to escape. And that's, and, and since God is not of that, is not within that perspective, essentially that there's, there's some very strong barrier. Can we change? Can we like, it's like saying, okay, like, this school. Eventually you'll change. Call. I'm not sure if you look forward to it, but eventually you'll change. And then we'll be able to. Well, when you're not behind. Exactly. <laughs> you know, 120, as they say. You know, <laughs> or, or as Harry Brisson says, 123. What is that? <laughs> Aaron, 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 Aaron. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it seems the Ravid is saying that, the, that not everyone, that the, this book, by the way, the Ramam writes in, in the Maimur and Trias Mesa why he decided, uh, or at least uh, you know, uh, part of his consideration in, 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 um, in Yisodia Torah was to uh, make sure that every Talmud Chacham is aware of the basic fundamentals of Torah, even without philosophical proof. Because he said there were many chachamim who were who were fat, who were very big lamdanim. They knew shas, uh, you know, and, and poskim, uh, you know, uh, 
you know, uh, all, all of the ins and outs of Gemara, but they, they held very terrible philosophical beliefs. So he says, he said, how could I tend to the, to the branches and the leaves while the roots are rotting away? He said, I have to put in to a halachic sefer, I have to make a whole section on the Surya Torah because otherwise you'll have people who are, look, uh, even today, I mean, uh, you know, uh, it wasn't in the Rambam, it wasn't in the, in the Yad, it would definitely get less play than it is in there. At least now people do Rambam Yomi, they have to learn these things. But uh, if, if it was in the Yomar Nebuchim, no one would ever have to know about these things, right? But the point is, it's not Mar Nebuchim. Mar Nebuchim is a book that's dedicated to analyzing and proving and arguing. Here it's just conclusion, conclusion, conclusion. Right? It is, it is, it is. So apparently the Ravid held that it sounds like it's true. In reality, it's not a cop-out because this answer of you can't know is based, is a conclusion that comes from a necessary conclusion that comes from deep knowledge. That's, what the Ram, that's why the Ram gives that big introduction. You have to know this is harim, taluyim, or, you know, taluyim uh, and and all that. But the Ravid apparently held, it comes off like a cop-out. Like a guy you're, the guy you're, the audience that you're, that you're reaching is a guy who's just an Amunapshut, the guy anyway. So why stick it in here and rile him up? You're not giving him philosophical proofs. And it just sounds like... Uh, so it's like in between that. The Muna itself is not enough for that guy, but the, but the, but the heavy proofs are not... Yeah, the Ravis is a funny guy. The Ravis is a funny guy. Because uh, he... Uh, he justifies all the big mistakes that people make and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but oh, over my, here, my, over my, here, my, he's uh, very critical. Uh, I have no yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. Right.